Good morning. Uh, welcome. My name is Derek. And um, man, did you guys enjoy that extra hour of sleep last night? I hope you guys are excited. Um, Pandela, if you'll come out and join me out here. I'm counting on you guys to be extra interactive and participatory at the start of this message because uh, I need your help for something to kind of illustrate a point. So um, here's, here's a question that I have for you, and I want you to shout out what comes to mind when I say the words, the Christian life. So when you hear those words, the Christian life, is there a word that can capture what that means or what, what pops into your head when you hear that, the Christian life. So in the first service, it was really crazy. Everyone was all hopped up on caffeine and extra sleep, so I couldn't hear anything. So I'm actually just going to start. I'm going to start right here in this section. What, what word comes to mind, Chris, the Christian life? What was it? <laughs> That's hilarious. I heard, did I hear repent and patience? That, that's, just, that's just good right there. That's a, that's a married couple. Repent and patience. <laughs> so I think we should pray for them right now in our seats. Okay, that was good. I like that. All right, over here. Faithful. Okay, okay. faithful, Bible, selfless. All right, over here. Grace. Challenging. Oh, man. Come on, Pandela. Stay with us now. Okay. Let's do that again. Grace, challenging, peace. Okay? Grace, challenging, and peace. Challenging. It is. Sometimes. All right. Up here in this section. Prayer. Good. It's a good one. Love. Okay. One more up there. Joy. Beautiful. The Christian life. Top middle. Purity. Very nice. That's a good word. I like it. Sacrifice. Struggles. Purity, struggle, sacrifice. Up here, top section, up here, you guys. Abundant. Excellent. Service. Good. Spiritual. I heard Jesus over here. I'm glad that somebody said Jesus. Because here's the thing, okay? If you've got, you must have grown up in church. Because you know that the answer to any church question is always, it's always Jesus, right? You heard about, about um, the little boy that gets called in and, uh, during adult church. They call little kids up front and, and the, the minister's there and he's saying to the kids, he's saying, okay, kids, now, now um, what, what is brown and furry and hops around the, the, your yard and, and, and scoops up all the nuts? And this little boy raises his hand and he goes, well, I'm pretty sure it's a squirrel, but I'm going to go with Jesus. <laughs> the answer is always Jesus, right? So I'm, I'm thankful. Um, uh, this, is a, this is an excellent list. Um, th- it's interesting. The church didn't make the list. It's worth noting for a church for people who don't go to church. <laughs> I guess that tells us it's kind of funny to me. Um, we got lots of different good words up here. And um, thank you for your help with that. You guys did an excellent job. There's one word, and it was kind of mentioned a, a little bit in, in serve and, and selflessness, but there's a word that, um, that comes to my mind, because with so many different aspects to this Christian life, so many different elements that we see here represented, we can, we can often lose sight of what is an essential part of the Christian life, and that is the word compassion, the word compassion. 
And more specifically, when we say the word compassion, what I mean is compassion for those in need. Uh, Pandela, thank you so much for your help. Can we give her a hand? She had to write very fast. Now, what's crazy is in the midst of all these different um, things that come to mind when we think about the Christian life, when, when we look at the Bible, this might blow your mind a little bit, but there are actually 2,000 plus verses that have to do with compassion for those in need. And that means of a 30,000 verse Bible, it was one out of every 15 verses, you guys, that you read has to do with God's heart for helping those in need. So if you're reading your Bible, you're flipping through, um, one out of every 15 verses is going to read something like this. We start in the Old Testament early on in the book of Leviticus 23, 22. It says, when you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. The gleanings were what would be left after the first main sweep of the field. The gleanings are what's left. They said, don't, don't touch those. Don't go right to the edges. It says, leave them for the poor and the foreigner residing among you. I am the Lord your God. So these were instructions that God had for his people, the Jewish people, the Israelites. We flip a little further in in our Bible uh, into the wisdom books, and we look at the Proverbs, which are just full of verses like Proverbs 19, 17, which reads, whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they have done. We continue on in, in the Old Testament and we come to the prophets. And these prophets were, were um, hearkening to, to the, their people, to God's people, to, to follow God and to do what was right. And so you've got uh, prophets like Isaiah in Isaiah 117 saying things like this. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. And so we see this all throughout the Old Testament scriptures. And then we move into the New Testament and we read about the early church that was just on fire for God. And you see this this early church that was known for how it took care of the poor and those in need. It was absolutely amazing to see the work of the early church. And in fact, what was so fascinating to me is the early church, it, it did have some struggles and some challenges. And there was even a major controversy in the early church over, you know, who is this, this message of good news? Who is it for? Is it for just the Jewish people who've been following God? Or is it for everybody? Is it the whole world? And the apostle Paul believed very deeply that this was a message to the entire world. And he got into a major disagreement with some of the other church leaders of that time. And they were going back and forth and trying to figure this out. And finally, the, the, some of these other leaders basically gave Paul their blessing and said, you know what? It's clear that God has anointed you to do this. We'll focus on the Jewish people. You go talk to the non-Jewish people and we'll all go do our thing. And then they said, in, and, and Paul captures this in his letter to the Galatians, chapter two, verse 10. Paul writes that after they kind of resolved this, they said, all they, he said, all they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor. The very thing I had been eager to do all along. I love this verse because in the midst of all the other aspects of the Christian life, in the, in the midst of all the different things that they were talking about and wrestling with and struggling with, all they asked was don't lose sight of that one thing. We have got to stay focused 
on this core essential thing. We must care for those in need. And I was reading that this week and I was thinking, man, there's so many times where I've done the very thing, right, that they ask us not to do. Don't lose sight of this one thing. And maybe you're here and at times you say, man, yeah, I've, I've lost sight of that too. And it's so simple. It's so obvious. There's all these things. How have I lost sight? How have I, how have I missed God's heart for the poor and those in need? And you might be here, in fact, and you're going, well, is it really 2,000 verses? I mean, you know, Derek, where did, where did you get that number? How, how, what's the 2,000 verses thing all about? Like, it, can you document? Can you give us a little verification? I'm sure there's no way it's 2,000 verses in the Bible. Well, it actually wasn't my research. Uh, it was the Bible Society, so you can take it up with them if you'd like. Uh, the Bible Society actually created a, uh, a special Bible a couple of years ago called the Poverty and Justice Bible. It's a special Bible that they produced. And in that Bible, I got a a picture of it. Um, Every single time there is a verse or a passage that has to do with God's heart for those in need, it's in bright orange right there. And so it just, as you're flipping through that Bible, it's just hitting you. It seems like it's just about every page. There it is. There it is. There it is. God's heart and our heart should be reflecting that. And maybe you're here and you go, man, how did I miss this? I've been in church a long time. How did I miss this? This is so important to God. Well, if you feel that way, and maybe you're feeling a little bit uncomfortable right now, um, you're in pretty good company. Uh, Have you ever heard of the book, The Purpose Driven Life? You heard of that book? Okay, written by a guy named Rick Warren. He pastors a massive church out in California. And um, check out what the author of The Purpose Driven Life, Pastor Rick Warren, has to say about this very topic. He writes, how did I miss that? I went to Bible college, two seminaries, and I got a doctorate. Did he fail out of the first one? I don't know what happened, but but that's a lot of education. And then he says, how did I miss God's compassion for the poor? So maybe if you've missed it a little bit, um, just, just, it's okay. You're in, you're in pretty good company. But I'll tell you what, it's the last thing I'm going to say about this. It's, it's even crazier, this whole notion of, of, of missing this, this God's heart for, for those in need. It's even crazier if you take a look at, at Jesus. Because just look at how Jesus kicked off his ministry. This is um, an account written by a physician named Luke, one of four accounts we find in the New Testament of the Bible. And uh, Luke records, this is, this is Jesus getting the whole ministry started. It says in Luke 4, 16 through 21, that Jesus went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it's written. And I want you to notice the next things that Jesus says here, because just see how many things reflect God's heart for those in need. Jesus reads, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. It says, then he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and he sat down. Now, this was a a prophetic 
scripture. And it says the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were now fastened upon Jesus. He began by saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. This was an unbelievably electric moment in that synagogue because basically what Jesus has just done is he says, you know what, guys? The whole reason that I'm here, this is the very reason why. This is what I'm here to do. I am here to care for and love and serve those in need. And those of you who are here today and you've had a little bit of time in church, you've read some about Jesus, you've spent some time reading those gospel accounts of Jesus' life, you know that this is exactly what Jesus did, right? He said he was going to do it. And what did he spend his entire life doing? What was his whole ministry about? It was about serving those in need. Jesus constantly, he was not out there serving the, the, the rich, serving um, those who were kind of spiritually had arrived. He wasn't serving those people who had all their stuff put together. No, 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 no. Jesus was out there to serve people who desperately needed him. The poor, the marginalized, the oppressed, the lame, right? All these different groups of people. He basically said, look, I'm here to serve those in need. So what does this mean for us, for you and me here today, 2,000 years later? Well, if you're here today and you um, consider yourself a follower of Jesus, you've put your faith in Jesus, you're doing your best to follow after him, then simply put, what it means to follow Jesus is do the things that Jesus did. And so I just want you to think about that for a minute. If you're here today, by the way, and you say, yeah, you know, I'm still trying to figure out this whole Jesus thing, and I'm not sure where I am with faith and Christianity, like, that's awesome. We're so glad that you're here and you feel safe to, to kind of explore that at this church. Um, but there's, there's really, there's no tension for you. You just get to sit back and just enjoy yourself, okay? But for those of us who've put our faith in Jesus Christ, there is a little bit of tension here. And the question that we must really ask ourselves is, you know, as I, as I see God's heart for the poor, particularly as it's reflected in Jesus, am I, how am I doing with that? Am I pushing into that? As you look at your, your schedule, as you look at some of your priorities, are those reflecting God's heart and what Jesus did on this earth? And I want you to, to really take some time to think about that because ultimately, this is what we have been called to. One of the essential elements of the Christian life is to love and care for those in need. And so that's God's call, part of God's call for our lives. And so we are called to do the most good we can for those in need in this world. And that's actually the name of this series we're going to be exploring through this month is the most good and how we live that out. There are uh, many of us in this room, and as we look at the brokenness in this world, we think about all the tragedies, um, we, we see the, the, the evil things that are happening in this world, and, and it can be pretty overwhelming, it can be somewhat depressing, and, and maybe you, like me, have asked this question before. God, why is there all this suffering in the world? What's the deal? 
It's a great question. It's an important question. This is the kind of church where you can ask that question and we're not going to give you some cheap answer to your million dollar question or your struggle. We're going to try and help you wrestle with that a little bit. And we don't necessarily have all the answers. We got probably more questions than answers around here. But I can tell you one thing for sure. It's a great question. But at some point, at some point, we have to move beyond the question of God, why is there all this suffering? And at some point, we have to get to changing the question to this. Not, God, why is there all this suffering? But, God, what do you want me to do about it? That's pretty good. I'm going to say that again, okay, just to make sure you heard that. Okay, at some point, we have to move beyond saying to God, God, why all this suffering? And instead, making our prayer or our conversation with God, God, what do you want me to do about it? Is there anything that you want me to do? to help relieve this suffering in the world. We talked about the Apostle Paul, and he wrote many of the um, letters in the New Testament, and he wrote one to the church in Corinth, his first letter to these Corinthians. In uh, chapter 12, verse 27, he says some profound words. He's explaining to followers of Jesus, he says, now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you, is a part of it. And this is really deep because basically what he's saying is, look, Jesus is no longer here in bodily form. So guess what? Jesus isn't walking around anymore. Instead, how is Jesus continuing to act in this world? How is Jesus' ministry continuing to move and advance in this world? It is actually still through Christ, but it is Christ's work in his followers, his spirit living in us. We are actually his hands and his feet in this world. That's, that's powerful. And, and that level of responsibility is actually a big, big deal. Each one of us is actually a part of what Jesus Christ is still doing in this world. And I just want to tell you guys, if you're here this morning, and, you know, we're all looking for meaning and, and significance and fulfillment and satisfaction, right? And if you're like me, you look for it in a whole variety of different places and different ways. You might look for that in a boyfriend or a girlfriend. You might look for that in a, in a husband or a wife. You might look for that in your work. You might look for that through certain interests or hobbies that you do. Maybe it's through some stuff that you actually purchase that gives you a great sense of joy. Um, you know, whatever that is, we're, we're all looking for meaning and purpose and significance and fulfillment. And I just want to tell you, there's a lot of good stuff in that. But if we step back for a minute and we think about what's on God's heart, what is a huge 2,000 verse priority to God, and then we think about that we are actually called to follow after and do the same things that Jesus did, then what I'm here to share with you is that if you're struggling at times to find meaning and purpose and significance and fulfillment in all these other things that I just talked about, it could be because we find some of the greatest meaning actually in reflecting God's heart in this world. That we find some of the greatest meaning when we take on that heart of compassion and when we go out and we serve people in need. Sometimes people who can't really do anything for us and we just selflessly, sacrificially serve them. 
So I just want to ask you, how are you doing with that? Are you pushing into it? It's a big deal to God. And it's not just a big deal to God because he's just a taskmaster wanting you to do a bunch of stuff. But this is actually part of our core wiring. We are wired this way and we receive tremendous blessing when we do it. Now, um, one of the reasons that I absolutely love this church is because even though at times we can all, as a church, we can all lose sight uh, in the midst of all these aspects and element of the Christ, elements of the Christian life, we can lose sight of uh, sometimes some of the most essential things, like taking care of those in need. But ultimately, what I love about this church is you guys really get this. And if I had to just like give a photo to kind of capture this, uh, this would be the photo I'd use just in the moment because... It, it's unbelievable, you guys. I mean, we made like a 15-second announcement two weeks ago. Hey, you know, Northern Virginia Family Services, there's a bunch of people in the area without any coats at all. Could you just bring one if you happen to remember? Man, I, you know, I was down there when we dropped off all these coats. Man, we had to take a whole bus just to take them down there. The, the jaws on, these, on, on the staff down there, they dropped. If you've been out in the lobby, you see we've got another mountain out there again today of people who just forgot last week and wanted to bring another coat. You guys, it's amazing. This is a church that is so, just gets this. You guys are so ready to serve, so active in, in, in our community and, and here at this church and, and so incredibly generous. It's, it's amazing. Uh, it really is. It's awesome. It's awesome. I like that. That's good. I don't know if you guys were aware of this, but, but we are on pace to go well over $300,000 that we are going to give out this year to um, social justice and missions-related efforts in 2016. Over $300,000. It's awesome. And I'll tell you, the reason why um, there's so much money going out and we're doing so many things is because, man, you guys are just constantly like sharing different organizations and sharing different causes. And we got to get involved with this. We got to do this. How, what is the church doing here? And, and so we're just more and more and more things that we're trying to do to be a blessing in this world. It's, it's just awesome. And so I just want to share with you guys just for a minute. I want to highlight a few organizations, I don't have time to go through them all, but, but I just want to highlight a few organizations that we partner with locally and internationally that I just am so privileged to know these organizations and get the opportunity to be associated with them. And so many of you here at Grace volunteer with them or give to them. Uh, it's, it's absolutely incredible. But let me just tell you a few. So internationally, um, we're very much involved down in Haiti with a church called the Church of the Living God. And it is amazing because in a place of such extreme poverty and such extreme despair and hopelessness, there is this church that is a light of hope and joy. It's a church on the move. And, um, and they're doing amazing things. We partnered with this church and they basically have started a vocational school to try and create jobs, which is the number one issue down in Haiti. Um, they also are doing a number of medical uh, outreach clinics and we've gotten the opportunity to partner with them on that. It's just awesome. Um, we also partner with a family down in Brazil that has adopted over 30 children off of the streets of Sao Paulo. And it is the most amazing family 
And um, we've taken numerous, numerous trips down there. They are incredible. Um, we do a ton in Guatemala these days. Uh, many of you guys have a heart for Guatemala. And uh, so a couple years ago, we, uh, we helped to, to fund the seed money for a child survivor program down there through Compassion International. And many of you guys now are connected with Compassion because when we did our Compassion Sunday not too long ago, you guys actually signed up to sponsor and adopt uh, Compassion Kids through their programs down there. Um, we also um, are involved with International Justice Mission, which is kind of known as IJM. And this is the biggest organization in the world that is fighting uh, slavery and human trafficking. And, um, and so we, we work with them down in Guatemala to um, basically they're trying to reform Guatemala's whole justice system so that, um, so that things that are happening to children down there, which I don't even want to talk about right now, um, they, they stop happening and the people who are responsible are getting brought to justice. And it is absolutely just essential work and an amazing organization to work with. And when we look more locally, many of you guys have heard of the Arlington Food Assistance Center. Somebody's fired up back there. I like that. She likes this. Probably their youngest volunteer um, that works for, for AFAC. And um, AFAC is a huge provider of, of meals to, to families that are really, really struggling in Arlington. Many of you don't even realize that Arlington has a big uh, issue with poverty and homelessness. It does. Um, and so we, uh, we do a ton with, with AFAC. We're always their biggest donor in terms of meals, funds, and uh, we were actually their organization of the year in 2016, so I was kind of jazzed about that. Um, we also partner with the Carpenter Shelter of Alexandria, and that is uh, it's a wonderful homeless shelter down there that, that helps people transition and get back on their feet. We serve breakfast down there many Sunday mornings, and, um, and then we also do a game night some Friday evenings just to bring some joy and some hope to those residents. Um, then we partner with two amazing um, holistic urban ministries called Casa Chiralagua in Alexandria. Some of you guys uh, volunteer with them. And Little Lights in Washington, D.C. Um, just incredible organizations um, that we're actually going to talk much more about later on in this series, so I'm not going to talk too much about them right now. And finally, we get to do so much because we, we meet here at Thomas Jefferson Middle School. It is so cool. The, the relationships we've been able to build, we, we get to be the first ones to get to respond when families are in crisis, when students have needs, uh, when, when the school has different things that, that, um, that they need help with. We're able to partner with them. And next week, actually, this is kind of cool, but next week, we are going to be uh, doing our annual TJ Adopt-A-Family Christmas program, and, um, and it's just a really neat thing. You'll hear more about it next week, but it's a great way to bring some joy to some families that don't have a lot of joy right now uh, around this holiday season. So that's just a quick snapshot. That's by far not, not everything, and I did not include our most popular thing we do every single year, which John was just up here talking about a minute ago. You saw the video, hopefully, to kick off the service. But it is the meal packaging event that we do every first Sunday in December. And as John mentioned, uh, we're, we're moving it from 100,000 meals, because that's just way too easy for you guys. You guys are like way beyond that now. So we're going to 150,000 meals. We're going to have space for 1,000 people per service. A thousand people. Bring your friends, family members, okay? Bring people. I'm not sure about the enemies thing, but yeah, that's, that sounds good too. Um, just 
bring folks out and I want to show you that link one more time because I cannot tell you how important John mentioned it but the event staff okay coming to help set up at 6 a.m. we got 275 six-foot tables to move okay uh, you looking for a workout? Come on, it's right here. This is easy. We're, you should thank us for this. This is beautiful. So go there. You can sign up for setup. You can be uh, one of our runners to help distribute supplies and all that to the tables. But the number one thing we need is table captains. You will captain a table. You'll help people get up to speed and know what they're doing. Um, we're going to need at least 50 table captains to pull this thing off. And uh, we need your help. So go there right now and, uh, and hit that little link. And... Um, if you're listening at home, I'm going to tell you it's bit.ly forward slash H2H staff. So um, please hit that link and, um, and help us make sure that we can make this holiday season awesome for 150,000 kids this year. Let me just give you a little bit of insider information, okay? So, so lean in, okay? Because I got a little, ins- it's not a secret, but it's insider information. We haven't necessarily made this public yet. Uh, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen at the end of the event. So you're clued in. At the end of the event, we're not going to wait a week to do uh, the big beans and rice challenge where we, where we you know, try and see how much money we can raise for wells uh, and do that whole thing like we did last year. We're going to do it right at the end of the food packaging. Like the last couple of minutes, we're going to make a huge announcement about it. We're going to give everybody a card and a cool little takeaway that I can't tell you what that, what that is. But it's a great reminder of this challenge. And here's why we're going to do this. I'll just tell you, unapologetically, this is why. Because it's so cool to hold a church event on December the 4th where literally we're probably having close to 500 people who don't go to church who come. But you know what? We've noticed they, don't, they, they like the gym, but they don't like the auditorium. You know what I'm saying? They're not coming back the next week. Even when we try to get them back, we would try different things. You know, come on, it's going to be great. So this year, we're kicking off that beans and rice challenge because if they're there, they want to serve, right? And they already know you because you brought them, all right? And what we're, what we're doing is we're doing the whole thing. Eat beans and rice. Decide how many meals you want to do. Have a goal for how much money you're going you're gonna to save by not eating good meals. And you're just going to eat the, that, that kind of a beans and rice deal. All right? And, and then come back. Bring the money back. And we're going to have a big celebration. We're going to have Christmas music. We're going we're gonna to have real-time updates. And we're going to talk about where this money's going and what we're going to do with it. And it's going to be awesome. All right? So that's the deal. Now you guys know. If you bring somebody, we're actually trying to get them back here on the 11th. That's what we want to try and do. We want to try and say, church isn't so bad. It's kind of cool, right? Okay, you guys know this already. So um, anyway, and here's the really cool thing. This year, the goal is seven wells in seven days, okay? It's about 40 grand that we're going to need to raise. But instead of, just, instead of just funding the wells like we did last year, this year, we're going to actually do three trips to put in three of the wells. We're going to put them in. We're going to go down ourselves and check it out and, and do that. So that is going to be really, really cool. And I think it'll appeal to some of our uh, unchurched friends to want to get involved and see the church in action. So um, anyway, stay tuned for all that. It is going to be absolutely incredible. Now, I'm super fired up. I need to get a pulse here. Are you guys fired up about this? Okay, good, good, good. Awesome. 
All right, this is how I want to conclude the service this morning. Uh, I want to conclude by us celebrating communion together, and I'll explain why in just a second. But our communion team, if you guys would go ahead, um, get the elements and take your places, but do not start to serve yet, okay? Take your places, but do not start to serve the elements yet. I just want to explain something before we do. And our music team is going to come out, and uh, they are going to give us a little music while we celebrate communion. Now, I know people are moving around and it's a little bit distracting, but let me tell you why we are celebrating communion today because I think it's, it's pretty important. And here's why. Because we've just talked about the importance of serving, the importance that it has to God and the importance it should have for those of us who are doing our best to follow after him. But here's the deal. If you're just like, okay, got it. Summary of the sermon is this. I need to do more to serve. I need to help people in need. Okay, if that's your bottom line for today, I need to do more, I need to serve more, I need to help more, that's not sustainable. You're gonna do it for a little bit and you know what's gonna happen? You are going to burn out. You're gonna burn out. You do it, you get excited, and then you'll be like, man, I'm so tired, I'm just serving all these people, I'm just done. So here's why communion is so significant. Because communion is a time when we stop and we remember and we actually do an experiential participatory thing where we remember who has ultimately served us first. Who has served us first? Anybody know? God, Jesus, they're both good answers. I told you, Jesus is always the answer, always, okay? Communion team, you guys can begin to distribute the elements, please. Just go ahead and hold them in your seat. We're gonna take them together in just a minute. So this is a, a time where we, we, we take the, the bread and we take the cup, remembering what God has done for us, what Jesus Christ has done for us. The bread represents the body of Jesus Christ. It represents the sacrifice that Jesus has made, that blood, his blood poured out on the cross for us. And the deal is this, it doesn't matter how great of a life we've lived, it doesn't matter how much we serve, doesn't matter how many of those 2,000 Bible verses we can memorize and, and quote about God's heart for the poor and look at all that we're doing. The reality is this, God is here, holy God, perfect, blameless. And all, every single one of us is a human being. Last time I checked, we're all human. We've all made mistakes, right? None of us is perfect. The only way that we can be on equal terms with God, it's, it's not through anything we can do, it's only through what God already did for us through his sacrifice of his son who lived a life we could not live and died a death that none of us would want to die. And it's through faith in Jesus and that sacrifice for us that, that my friends, is ultimately how we are considered blameless in the eyes of God, righteous in the eyes of God. So as we are passing these communion elements right now, um, we're just going to take a minute to reflect on God's incredible love for us. So um, I'm gonna give you guys just another minute to do that and to reflect on the amazing love of God and how God has first served us as you think about what we all should do to serve others who are in need. So as we just have a, a last few folks that are, that are um, getting the elements that they need, um, I just wanna let you know that Jesus was actually with his disciples 2,000 years ago, and he explained that as he took bread and as he took a cup, and he said, this is my body, and this is my blood, and 
These are actually, I'm shedding blood and I'm, my body will be broken for you because that's how much I love you. This was spoken by someone who came to do nothing but serve every breath of his life to serve. And he has served us, whether we fully grasp it, whether we fully realize what God has done for us, I'm telling you, God loves you. God has done so much for you. And as we take these, it's just, it, we just take a moment to eat and drink in that truth. So let's go ahead right now and eat and drink together. God, we are so grateful because you um, have just done so much for us in our lives. We thank you. We thank you that you have such a heart for taking care of those in need. God, we want our heart to align with your heart. We want to be like you. It's hard sometimes, God. But help us to realize that, that our true motivation for serving, that you call us to serve, that our true motivation would be in response to how you've already served us, to that great love you have for us. God, let our response then be that we're gonna serve you by serving others, that we're gonna love this broken world. God, help us to move beyond asking why all this suffering to, God, what do you want us to do? What should we do about it? God, let us not just be people who talk about it, but let us be people of action, just like you were, Jesus. We thank you so much, God, for not only your love, but that you give us this grand purpose, that we are your hands and your feet, the body of Christ still walking around. Help us to take that seriously. What an honor, what a privilege that you would choose us to partner with you to help those in need in this world. Show us what that looks like, God. In Christ's name, amen. Um, just want to let you guys know before we dismiss that um, next week, where we're heading is as we continue with this series called The Most Good. So we know we're called to do the most good that we can, but with so many needs, with so many causes, with so much brokenness in this world, so many issues going on, it can be overwhelming, can't it? I mean, it's crazy. Where do we begin? Who do we partner with? What's really helping and what's hurting? Um, we're gonna really take a look at what does it look like? How do we serve in a way that does the most good? We're gonna get practical. We're gonna talk about our church's missions approach, our strategy, and how you can utilize that in your own life and some big things you can be thinking about to make sure that when you do serve, you serve in a way that does the most good. So I hope that you'll uh, come back next Sunday, join with us as we continue through this series. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Grace Community Church, a church for people who don't go to church, meets on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. in Arlington, Virginia. Connect with us anytime at trygrace.org.